I mean, I could go and get my notes, but it's an awfully long three meters, and I just <laughs> That's a I strong just don't start, know. Jamie. And I just I I feel like winging this one. I really enjoyed this one, and there was a plot structure that I felt flowed, and so I'm 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 not gonna get up and interrupt this to move three meters to get my notes. Okay, well, you can always change your mind, but that is great because we were supposed to record this last week, and for that week, I watched the episode twice and listened to the podcast. This week, I just watched the episode in the background and hoped I could still decipher my notes. So I was like, well, I'm sure I can lean on Jamie because he's caught up to date. So. <laughs> well, I've watched it twice too, so um, I feel like I know this one really well now. Good. So ah. you guys have both watched this twice. I've watched this once due to being cack-handed last week. If I remember it better than you guys watching it twice, presumably with your notes to hand... Am I a Jake Peralta, an amazing detective slash genius? Yes, we'll give you that award. Okay. So I think it's quite interesting that it starts with uh, Captain Janeway uh, talking about the enthusiasm of Harry Kim. Janeway, uh, uh, you're going to give us the one line summary. You're jumping ahead. You want me to give the one? Oh, goodness. I mean, yes. <laughs> this is an awful lot less edifying. <laughs> um, basically. Um, it's uh, it's probes getting stuck down narrow passageways. Great summary, very succinct. <laughs> um, before we before we dive in, as as opposed to noble man at the end of a thirty centimeter wormhole rift takes grave risk to career, which potentially ends up in his anonymous assassination, but we never find out. <laughs> <laughs> also, very good. <clears throat> I wanted to mention that I'm drinking this <laughs> not for any commercial reasons. Can we, uh, can we just say that Claw. again? Can yes, we just the, do that product? For the listeners, I'm holding this to the camera. But um, White Claw Hard Salsa Black Cherry, which I have to admit I'm now addicted to because... Is that White Claw Hard Salsa Hard Black. Cherry? Black, Black oh, Cherry. Oh, yeah. Black made, Cherry. Made by... Which, which company is that? Just so that, um, you know, just, in, just for me to know, no other sort of commercial know, White reason. Claw? White Claw, um, just... for those who love Star Trek. Well, actually, it's for those who love true crime, because I heard about it when I was listening to a true crime podcast. And I was How like... are we ever going to get any product placements or endorsements, Fred, if you just utterly ruined them by saying that you got them thinking about a non-referential subject? But uh, for anyone who knows, I was inspired by true crime detectives. Is that what they're called? With... Is that Woody Harrelson and company? No, or... it's um. Oh my gosh, I'll have to look it up. Um, it's a woman from Superstore and her cousin, and they're hilarious. Um, and I can't <laughs> believe I listen so often, and I don't actually know what it's called. Oh, True Crime and Cocktails with uh, Laura Laura Nash and Christy Oxborough. Sorry. Hmm. So uh, back to Star Trek. I just had to, you know. You just had to ruin our first potential paid endorsement from Correct. White Claw. Correct. You have maybe wanted to go and get a drink White out of it, which is <laughs> right at the start, right before we're even halfway. <laughs> um, we can always, well, we can take a break halfway, or we can take a break now. No, no, let's go. Okay. Let's go. Jamie, back I've... to you. It's it's not back to me. I'd, I'd fulfilled my role. I'd not only gave you one, I gave you two succinct summaries. That was brilliant. Yeah, so I think we start off and we're back in... Um... The captain's the log, quadrant. and she's giving some dates that none of us understand. Although in this episode, it actually pays to understand. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, I think they're in twenty three seventy. Just in case you forgot. Okay, thank you. Um, they found a subspace. Seventy one. Oh, 
Oh. <laughs> you guys do understand the dates of the numbers. Well, they were very helpful in this one because well, they spell it out for you at the end. It's very helpful. So, well, I mean, as as you understand, now it's 2023, which means 2023 years after the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ read. Then it's 2371, which is 2,371 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. I can count. I just can't. (laughs) I know. I just don't get the opportunity to be patronizing very often. (laughs) Okay. That was hilarious. Um, Sorry about that. No problem. So then um, my notes are a bit uh, scattered. But basically there's a subspace anomaly. They want to take a closer look, which will require a detour, but everyone's keen. Mm -hmm. And... um, I think Harry Kim picked up uh, this anomaly, and when they realize it's a wormhole, Tom Paris is very um, uh, what's effusive. The word? He yes. wa- he wants Harry Kim to get some credit, and he's like, "Can we call this the Harry Kim wormhole?" Yeah, there's something a bit ironic about the fact that Harry Kim gets sort of foisted with this really disappointing wormhole, and um, <laughs> in that scene is revealed when they sort of scan it, they're like, "I can't see anything." There's something coming up in the signals, but I just can't see it. We have to magnify and magnify. And then they're like, this is a really disappointing wormhole. It's only 30 centimetres wide. I mean, yeah, the disappointment when you think you found a wormhole and no one has even considered that it might be, of all the like technical hurdles or whatever. It's really bad when you think you found it and you know you haven't. (laughs) Yeah. It's really disappointing. Well, I think it is. I agree. Well, especially since they said it's a one in four chance of leading to the Alpha Quadrant. So yes. it's very unlikely. And then it turns out, if I'm not jumping too far ahead, that mm. amazingly, it is that one in four. But as you say, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it's like microscopic. But... Like, is, is that a male 30 centimetres or an actually 30 <laughs> centimetres wide di- diameter? <laughs> Well, I was a bit confused, right? Because they were like, oh, it's 30 centimetres in diameter. And then they're like, it's... Well, I guess they say it's virtually microscopic. I'm like... I was like, 30 centimetres is not microscopic. Yeah, but exactly. But maybe that's why they have the virtually. Microscopic um, in space terms, maybe. Can I just <laughs> Not in ask, biology. That I, I could turn this entire episode into very, very sort of um, e- euphemistic and um, innuendo-ish <laughs> sort of an affair. Um, and I feel bad even using the word affair in that context. I'm assuming we don't want me to sidetrack this by doing that. And at every opportunity that someone says something that makes me sort of giggle in a smutty way, I'm assuming that would ruin the t- tone if I took that approach to this episode, right? I think you should take whatever approach feels natural to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just And if you are naturally way- a 16-year-old boy, you shouldn't find that. <laughs> Not with this receding hairline, but um, I mean, I mean, I just said that some of us be very happy with thirty cent. Anyways, carry on. Carry on. There's I mean, a sixteen-year-old in all of us. <laughs> there is. I mean, as you sort of say, I hope not. That would be sexual assault. Uh, Jamie, as you said that, I read all my notes and I just saw probe and I giggled to myself. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, <laughs> there was, but- I think there's a self-conscious nod to that in this episode because there's a lot of the probe is caught. <laughs> but the crux of the matter of this not microscopic but 30 centimeter diameter wormhole is they can't fly through. But there is good news. Um, it can act as a conduit for a message um, if it goes mm. near the Alpha Quadrant which mm. as you said Jenny they find. So they launch a probe um, or micro probe. Um, Jamie, anything to say? 
again, I just feel there was a slight self-consciousness on the part of the writers saying, well, it's a mini-school hole, but we can send a microprobe down there. <laughs> but um, I did like some of the, the dialogue or from Janeway at this point, because I think that mm. the probe gets stuck at some point, because this wormhole is mm. actually collapsing. And mm. Janeway was like, it's um, been collapsing for centuries, which I thought mm. was like just a nice... Mm. A reminder that it's a context. Time, space, it's, exactly. it's ancient. It's in an advanced mm. yes. Okay. Yes. It, it gives you a feel of like the age and grandeur of the universe, sort of moving away from the smuttiness of some of my perception of the episode. I think Janeway brings to this episode a unique sense of the enthusiasm and the keenness of the crew and some of that keenness of the character to serve and serve superbly in some of her interactions in this so her enthusiasm for harry kim's idea her enthusiasm for the possibility and dialogue along the lines of ah well mr tuvok you might think there's a three-quarter chance (laughs) not but i prefer to think there's a one-quarter chance that it might be and that's the positive and she really brings that throughout this episode yeah and I, i i found myself warming to her character more than i had for much of it including her sort of enthusiastic desire when she initially engages with Kez. Kez, what can I do for you? I I really like that but I was a bit struck and I thought it might have been slightly overacted later in the episode where Kez does that and then Kez actually brings up something and the captain has to sort of question herself and her own performances and there's almost a sort of clash there which almost isn't what you'd expect from a captain as keen to Mm. sort of check and make sure they're (laughs) crew's needs are being met um well i'm glad you said that about her because as i think i've mentioned before when i started rewatching this in 2019 i was just like oh my gosh i'd love to have a manager or boss or whatever that was like captain Janeway because she's like so Mm. she understands Mm. the details she's like the scientist that's why she's so enthusiastic she's like got Mm. such deep knowledge but she's like motivates her crew and she understands when to like you know um like she's so, as you say, enthusiastic and encouraging and uh, knowledgeable, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to watch. She's engaged <laughs> in leading her crew, rather a leader, than like, like and she's yeah. very rare human, I think, because she's basically got all of the qualities. Like, because in real life, you tend to get all the people who really know their stuff, really sciencey, detail oriented. They're rarely in, put in positions of leadership, are you? And usually, in leadership positions, you get everyone who's the sort of motivational speaker and that, but isn't so great at the, you know, the, the scientist. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the sort of caring, empathetic um, understanding side. Um, that's a whole nother element as well. And like she sees, she just embodies all of them, doesn't she? She's just got the whole package. She and does. I don't know about you, but I, I can't say I have very frequently come across um, leaders um, who can embody all those um fantastic characteristics yeah I mean, exactly. it, is, it is difficult because you sort of for the people leadership you can't afford to get lost in the technical detail i disagree but that could be a whole another podcast <laughs> but if you don't know the technical leadership it's very hard to do the people leadership in the right direction yeah, the thing is, you're not you're not talking about getting lost in it. It's just yeah. talking about knowing oh, yeah. it, like <laughs> having maybe because she was Being a, interested some, in it. Yeah, mm. and having done that, you know, dedicated a certain portion of your life to that means mm. that you then understand it when you move into a more um, leadership mm. um, type position. It's a bit like 
you know you know how a lot of politicians at least in the uk come from backgrounds where they um have just been learning how to be a politician yeah and then they get put in a position which like is in charge of all transport or, or health care and you're like this is a terrible idea like why wouldn't you have someone who's like you know has been a doctor at least for some of their life in charge of the healthcare system or in some way has some kind of experience in that field um as well as mm. you know political um skills um anyway yeah i mean I'm i agree <laughs> i'm also on a tangent and i agree but i just want to make like i agree as someone who has no deep knowledge in anything so i can't even be the kind of leader that she is but um basically the wormhole gets stuck oh, that's, sorry the microprobe gets stuck in the micro wormhole but they pick up that someone's scanning them from the other side. So that's good mm. news. And then we move to sickbay where we have the most annoying, rude patient of all time, Baxter. What did you guys think? I, I see myself was... in him. <laughs> he was pretty weird, I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I... Why would you? I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't really understand that he's... attitude. <laughs> he, he, he's sort of rude to the... I think... He's being used to make a point that the crew don't really treat the Doctor with much respect because they sort of write him off as a hologram. And he's sort of being hammed to make that point. But I think there's also a degree of, like, they try and have him talking to Kez to make that perhaps a bit more ambiguous because there's an element to me of, is he coming on to her as well by sort of going for sympathy? No? Okay, right, no, right, my (laughs) bad. Really? No. You really I, I shut didn't. me down there. You no, know, sorry, Jamie. That was a very interesting perspective, but no. Um, okay, I choose to maintain a different subjective perspective on this incident than you do, but either way, he is being rude to the Doctor. Yes. Whether it's because he's being deliberately rude to the Doctor or he's being rude by focusing on Kez because he wants to sort of come on to her or just get her sympathy, he's still rude to the Doctor. Yeah. Is that and, something that we might sort of agree on as opposed to just no? <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. But I think, I mean, I don't know what you thought, Jenny, but um, I have read recently and, you know, people at work have told me it's not something I, I'm aware of having experienced, but I thought this was a good, I'm not sure if this is the point, but there are a lot of times where women are in meetings with men and men just talk to the other men, um, like clients. Like if we, my, I've had a colleague say, oh, I went into a meeting with a client and took you know, a female colleague and the client just spoke to him and mm. completely ignored her. And this does happen a lot. I mean, I read on Twitter someone who um, hired a handyman to help around the house and he called her husband to check that that's what he actually wanted. So mm. <laughs> I yeah, was just wondering <laughs> if you, I'm not sure that was a hundred percent the point, but I was wondering like as a woman, I kind of recognized it. And I was wondering like as a male viewer, would you even, you know, um, realize that maybe that is a comment commentary on that um the fact that by talking to kez solely who is female but reflecting the actual female experience yeah of being talked to as opposed to the experience yeah so the doctor is the the doctor is experiencing the typical female experience is what yes. you're basically saying. It was like a clever way of, I don't know if it was intentional. Yeah, but... And it, it might not even be the female experience. It might just be the experience of group that is marginalized. Yeah. Mm. 100%. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, only, I'm only a female, so I can't comment for other, other groups, but um, 
thought it was like a clever thing because I think that does happen. Yeah. But I don't know if it was intentional. So I was just wondering if you guys mm. also picked that up. No, I didn't, but it's a really interesting point. And um, I'm going to, yeah, I think I, I would say, I think that, I mean, maybe I'm just not aware of it, but I think that I'm lucky in that I haven't experienced that a lot in my field. Um, I can think of specific instances where it's happened, but they they were quite rare. Um, like they stick in my mind because that, that, that actually happened and I was qu- quite shocked by it, you know, because it seems rare to me. Um, but I appreciate that's just my industry and my area and I, I think it's probably different in different situations interestingly um, in my old job and team which is to remain nameless to avoid me getting sued um, the leadership sort of cadre one rank above and two ranks above me was uh, I think 80% female and there were very 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 occasional instances uh, of the same phenomenon in reverse that you've just described now nothing like as often as i've seen it in the way that you've described it red because i have seen the men talk to other men ignoring women in the room thing um but there were sort of occasions like that if that made any sense yeah i'm sure my, my point is this is the point of science fiction right you don't just yeah. show exactly what's happening on earth you show yeah. like from a different um like yeah, you swap yeah, the you roles, use... or you swap the things, but it's still a commentary on treating someone yeah. as subhuman because exactly. they don't exactly. meet yeah. your expectations of something. Yeah, sorry, that wasn't me going normal men. By the way, that was me. No, saying no, of course not. I've all men. seen it in both yeah. sides, and I also recognise the uh, plot device which you're articulating so much more eloquently than I that uh, takes place <laughs> in that scene. But after that whole deep dive into feminism, there quickly. <laughs> sorry, guys. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, the main... fellas point of this episode or the scene is i think we're finding out that kiss is really keen in her like expanding her knowledge and helping mm. the doctor and uh, very stimulated by all her learning um yeah. and then i always laugh because then the doctor gives her those pads you know like the with the data mm. that she has to learn and i'm always like so close but so far because why are there multiple pads <laughs> because, oh, yes. <laughs> i had the exact same thought i'm like that that is so basic like just, yeah. like why why are there these big chunky things. Yeah. Like you, you invented they... the iPad, but it's limited in like how much yeah, data it, it can hold. You can only have one book in one iPad. <laughs> like one subject. <laughs> you make a Kindle, but yeah. you have to have a library of Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, so sorry. I always laugh when that happens. Um, the, 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 I, um, if, if we've got time, I was going to jump quickly back to that. You know that doctor that you were talking about it and the whole feminist element was really interesting because it hadn't even occurred to me what most struck me about that was um that scene was that the way the guy was behaving initially i was like oh that's weird and then i was like actually it's really not weird at all because we experience so much of that in the same way that people where, where the doctor says to him well if you're not sure whether you'd let me operate on you then hopefully you wouldn't die before you you you'd let me decision, and it yeah. just reminded me so much of this like anti-vax and <laughs> Like kind of attitudes of some people, so I, and I was like, oh, okay, no, that is that is a real life thing. People do behave like that. Yes, yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah. Because I think it is a bit. I mean, obviously, it is a bit exaggerated how kind of rude he is. And to be fair, most people aren't that rude in real life. But on Twitter, they're that rude. Um, <laughs> next, I think we're in the in the briefing room, um, try, and they're trying to get to grips with what's happening on the other side of the wormhole. And we find out the, the, the probe is still stuck and will be destroyed in 72 hours. So that starts the, the clicking 
clicking, clicking <laughs> log. <laughs> um, but they plan to try to use the probe to communicate with the other side. And I just remember Tuvok hinting at future disappointment. I guess I guess I mean Harry is so excited because Harry, out of everyone, it seems the most desperate to get back home or be in contact yeah. with his family. Tuvok's mm. obviously maybe has those feelings, but he's more like tempered and rational. I don't feel my feelings. <laughs> um, and then we go. No, to- he chooses. He yeah. chooses to not let them control yeah. him. Yes. It's very different. <laughs> correct, correct. Um, and then we're in engineering, and we have that kind of nice scene with Harry and Bellana where we find a bit more mm. about why, I guess, they're different attitudes. So mm. Bellana kind of is like, well, there's no one on earth that cares. And Harry's like, I speak to my parents every week. They're going to be so worried. It's interesting, like, thinking about it from the perspective of, of where I am right now, because I've been out of the UK now for, like, a good sort of five months and um obviously you expect to miss people like mm. friends and family um but from balana's perspective i'm like i don't know i think you'd still She's be really keen anyone. to get home because it's not i you know i don't think it's just about the people um obviously they're what you expect to miss the most but actually like it's just like familiarity of environment so like i i miss britishness you know like mm. britishy things and and countryside and and the just general <laughs> environment and um something does that a mean you're bit... coming back <laughs> no, no, no 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 not necessarily um no, i think that, that actually, won't be the driver you, um... my job will be the driver can, can i counterpoint <laughs> that um yes but can i just finish my thought oh forgive um, me I, I did the male thing of not letting you finish i'm so sorry <laughs> it's any gender can interrupt. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, it's yeah. just mine that um, excels at it. <laughs> but, oh gosh, um, I am the worst interrupter. I'm not going to put that on men. Sorry, Jenny. That's a great example. Thanks, Red. You experienced the first four years of our friendship, right, Red? <laughs> that was a sustained anyway, attack anyway. on my mental health, but that's different. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but that was by Jamie Lowe. <laughs> no, sorry, 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 sorry. I was just going to say that there's like, I, I think also there's just like a uh, completely ineffable quality of missing a place um, that isn't like even like the food or the environment or the people. And so um, I suspect that Bellana has that um, somewhere. Um, and also, um, I think, you know, if you spend too long in another place, then you become, you, can, you get to this point where you, wherever you are, you're going to miss one place. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> so you're always gonna, yeah. you know, you, you're out of England for that long, and then then you go back. You, you'll it'd be nice, but you'll miss the the place that has become your second home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm. I can attest. But that, Jamie, did you want to counter the? I always thought that Bellana considered her home to be her crew, so I didn't think she had any link to any particular planet. So the thing that she'd actually miss would actually be when they got back to the Alpha Quadrant and all the crew went their separate way and then her home was gone. Mm. And I think that was sort of my read on the character. Mm. As much as I do completely, completely acknowledge the phenomena that you've just articulated. Yeah, I think I think you're right to an extent. And, but it's lovely because she creates her family on the board, mm. on, on board the ship, doesn't she, over the various seasons? Yeah. So that even when they return, she still retains that sense of home. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I guess maybe for her, it's just, it's just... Well, it depends what her background is. I suppose she's been on a ship most of her life, hasn't she? So. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I thought and what informed my view on it. Yeah. 
But then, you I know, think there she is has, that whole... Mm. Sorry, I was going to say, she has been abandoned by, like, well, she will feel abandoned by her dad, doesn't mm. get on with her mom. And she does say her family is mm. on, 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 like, because they had to merge, is on Voyager. Um, but I actually mm. don't really know... Yeah, I think she grew up on Earth. Oh, anyway. Hmm. She's still a bit of a blank canvas. I love her character. Like, I love mm. her, her whole storyline throughout the whole thing. Um, I think it's mm. great. And I guess um, she has this period where she starts like re-embracing her um, culture, her uh, mm. on. spiritual spirit. Mm. Yeah, like spiritual identity. I guess where she's sort of she's always been hating her Klingon part. But then mm. um, there's various episodes where she sort of lets it back in. Mm. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's part of her, what she considers home as well. I don't know. Mm. But I think by the end of the scene, they have managed to set up the comms link with the probe. Does anyone want to have a go at the science or the engineering behind this? <laughs> at one point, I was like, this seems very complicated. Then at another point, I was like, wait, they just put a probe in and they send a message to the probe and the probe releases the message to someone on the other side. Is that, yeah. is that, is that it? That, that's literally it. Okay, good. Because I, I was like, this is getting very complicated. Then I was like, wait. It, it's as though like the probe has a computer in it and a radio transmitter. Ah, uh, radio receiver. transmitter. Smart. So, like, if the probe received a message and the message was to the computer to retransmit the message back down the other end of the wormhole in which the probe had been stuck, then presumably in spite of technology being limited to one book iPads at this stage of human <laughs> development, that's not beyond the bounds of techno-sorcery. I mean, how I read the as song. I was listening to your explanation, for some reason I was reminded to this radio state of this radio station I listened to growing up in South Africa, Radio Five, and two like hilarious DJs or one DJ and a psychic explaining how the internet worked and just describing little men in packets. So <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm slightly influenced by the fact that one of the um, science fiction universes that I um I take great enjoyment from is the Warhammer Forty Thousand One, in which humanity has basically got stack load of technology which is completely forgotten how it works oh. and it basically just instead of like turning on a computer you have these weird priests doing incredible <laughs> amounts of ritual before just pressing this button as and do the final ritual activation press of the button <laughs> to summon the machine spirit oh my lord <laughs> that's like, where we land up um, oh, I would not be surprised I would not either we can't help yeah. it can we Okay, and so, so back, like, sorry, back you're to the bridge. You're moving me off to. You're moving me off this. Okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I've got quite a few pages left to go. So, um, they we're on the bridge next, and they're sending the mm. test signal and waiting for a response. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I could really feel the tension. Like I think Anand was a week ago, but when they pan over everyone's faces, they really look quite tense or quite um. The anticipation, In, maybe. Invested. Yes, yes. Some good acting, I think, over there. Um, and they... Oh, you disagree? 
I think a lot of people are acting very hard in that particular <laughs> story. <laughs> well, I was there for it. Turns out I like bad acting. Um, I, think, I think what I like about it is that they all really improve as the seasons go on as well. Like, we can see them, like, really. I never said they were acting skills. badly. I think they start off perfect. I don't, I don't agree with Jen. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying they're bad at the beginning. I'm just saying I like seeing them Im- gradually also improve. And, and Yes, they're a little bit more subtle towards the later episodes, mm. I'd say. Um, and it's less obvious that they are, in fact, acting. Um. <laughs> um, that does remind me, I had forgotten, and I don't think I was going to mention it. And now I'm so confused because writing all the summaries well, with ChatGPT for the different episodes, I could be... Maybe I did mention this, but when I listened to the Delta Flyers podcast episode, mm. um, I did get one anecdote from it, which was like quite, because um, um, what Harry Kim Garrett one was like, someone, I can't remember, but he was, someone at a convention was like, yeah, your crew from the, like on Voyager was the best looking Star Trek crew, or you were all too <laughs> good looking. Like, oh. you were like, And I was like. I mean, I was like, is that true? And then I was like, well, they are good looking, but you know, it's TV, so you kind of expect everyone to be good looking. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Neelix isn't great. Well, he's cute for an alien. I don't know. And then um, the anecdote that Garrett Wang was, said was that he met like a, a like a young woman at a at a, con- a convention, and she had started watching it when she was seven, and she oh, she wow. misheard Ensign for handsome, so she thought like Harry Kim's name was. Handsome Kim. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it took her like, I don't know, seven years to realize that they weren't saying handsome, which was quite cute. <laughs> it does seem like quite a high, yeah, um, percentage of attractiveness, I must say. Because, you know, you've got seven of nine, which is just like peak hotness. And then. I'm sorry, Bellana is also peak hotness. This is my point. This is my point. Because you're like, normally they're like, oh, well, as long as there's one super hot person, that's fine. But it's like, she, they they have her. And then, but here's the thing Janeway's super hot. Bellana's super hot. Like, they're all really attractive. I agree. So did someone say. I think Tuvok is very handsome. Did you just say someone was stripper hot? No, I said super, super hot. Super. Oh, okay. Sorry. Especially, I was just like, I'm, I'm also, I'm loving I mean, Janeway's um, sleeping outfit. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, I we mean, need to move on. I'm, gla- I'm glad on. that you guys said that because, like, I... Yes, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But I would like last to say that I'm say... appalled by this latent objectification of women and the sexism inherent therein. <laughs> Wait, uh, we're going to move on. But last comment on the handsomeness. I mean, I would say the doctor's handsome. He's like, he's always like, I mean, he's a character. I guess he's a character actor or whatever, but he's ha- like handsome, maybe. But a uh, hilarious side note, I watched an episode of The Golden Girls the other evening and the doctor was on it as a doctor, but he had hair. So wow. that was very interesting. Weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh. So I hope we've sustained the tension for long enough because when we were last talking about this episode, they were waiting for the signal. <laughs> um, they get a response and they figure out that the signal has originated in the alpha quadrant. So I guess things are looking up. Um, and, oh, uh, Harry Kim wants to see if they can set up a voice link because they've got the, some kind of comms link. So um, the next thing is we're in the ready room um and kiss wants to talk about the doctor so i guess jamie this is when you had a couple of feelings about janeway that you alluded to earlier yeah because like it's a bit of a weird one that 
because initially I was like, wow, Kez comes in and the skipper is so open to someone who presumably has literally the lowest possible Starfleet rank <laughs> coming into her on her open, presumably open door policy of, uh, you know, one hour blocked out each day that anyone can come and talk to her. And that she's very, oh my goodness, no, someone's not getting their concerns met. But then the moment she's told it's the Doctor, and this is possibly one of the devices they use quite a lot with Janeway, she initially hard dismisses because it doesn't tally with her belief system. And they all always, I sort of think, make her rethink that position, having initially used that dismissal as something that generates a little bit of conflict. Because actually, when Kez says that, the skipper's actual response is a hard no. Of course the doctor isn't, you know, being treated badly. He's a hologram. Yeah. No one cares. And, you know, even when she agrees to reluctantly look into it, it's it's not an I'll look into it that you trust or take particularly seriously or particularly de-escalates the tension between the two. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Because I mean, when they leave, if I was Kiss, I'd be a bit like, shit, I'm not fucking going back there with, you know, <laughs> concerns that, you know, that sort of thing, if that's how she reacts. Although, you know, on the face of what she says, it's it's not a hard no, but it is a cold, cold yes. I think you can tell that um, she, um, her immediate response is to, this is bollocks. to, to be like, well, but that is because this is a computer. Um, yeah. So you wouldn't really be asking a computer what, for its needs and its emotional needs and things. Um, mm. But like, because of Janeway's character, you, mm. if I was cares, like I would know that she had listened and would consider it, which is all that I think Kez is looking for. So I get what you're saying. It, it, you can tell immediately that Janeway's not, of course, absolutely, that's a really good point. And, you know, we should definitely look into the doctor's needs, but um, you know that you can trust that she will consider what's been said. And Or you don't know at this stage, but her actions after this establish her as someone that you can trust to do that. Maybe this is the first time we've seen that. Mm. Um but it, yeah, it comes back again and again. Hmm. Um, yeah. It was quite interesting watching her sort of opinion change on the matter. I almost wish, like, hmm. they, this is one of those episodes where you wish, like, you could have a bit of a insight into the internal dialogue of a character, like, as she sort of seems to be hmm. slowly changing her mind, because in the end, obviously, she's she's open to asking what the Doctor needs. Um, well, that does spark something, but it is jumping ahead. But she does... Yeah. I mean, mainly this scene always like, kind of bothered me when I watched it many times before because, yeah. you know, idolize uh, the captain. And I was like, how could she say he's only a hologram? Like, I was kind of... Um, I mean, he is a hologram. I thought she was, like... Uh, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if it's open-minded or whatever, you know, that is. But uh, because... I mean, I don't know, but I made a note here because I like to say please and thank you to my speaker. And like when I'm working with ChatGPT, I'm like, that's amazing. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's a sign that I'm insane. And in no way do I believe these things are conscious or sentient. But um, as opposed I, to me, who thinks there's a gestalt consciousness. Yeah, I really don't. But um, similar to the way that um, there is an Eldar deity developing in the. Just old consciousness of the Wraithbone in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. 
think we need to start a podcast about that. But um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, carry on. Uh, so when she says like his, he's only a hologram. I was like, ouch! Like I felt like quite like you. You're so like narrow minded. Um, mm. I mean, Captain. Well, see, but I, but she mm. does also raise. I mean, she is very defensive in the beginning, and it's not only that he's a hologram. It's that she's been getting bad reports of his behavior and his yeah. inside manner, and had been considering even like reprogramming him. Because, let's face it, he doesn't have a good bedside matter. Yeah, well, would you if people never ask your permission when to turn you off? That's what I was going to say, but it is jumping ahead. Like, what prompts her, um, when you said, what makes her change her mind? There's that moment in that scene later on where he's really annoyed. And I think that's, like, maybe, like, there's that emotional thing that must be, like, okay, this this thing gets annoyed. Like, I can relate to Mm. annoyance. That's a really good point. Yeah. Whether you should, yeah, sorry. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. She sees that he's irritated, and that's yeah. a human emotion, and it's a bit of a surprise to her. And mm. I mean, I'm I would be more like her at the beginning, to be honest, because it, to me, it can imitate. It's so advanced. That's the whole point: is that it's super advanced that it can imitate all these human things and human emotions. But it is just a computer. Um, so, but I don't know. From my perspective, like I would be more in agreement with Kez purely because although the computer doesn't, in fact, it's just imitating emotions, it doesn't feel emotions um, that we're aware of. Um, I do think that there's something to be said for still treating it as though it, um, as though it can feel emotions, because I think if you get into a environment where you're able to treat a thing which looks and yeah. behaves like a human as if it's not a human, then I think you're creating a, a very risky environment um, where people are used to, treating things with cruelty yeah things with cruelty exactly the the other thing is that like a a long time prior to this the whole science fiction test of whether something is sentient is the turing test which is like could the doctor stand the other side of a piece of uh you know of a wall and you have a conversation with him and you be convinced you're having a conversation with an actual person and the answer to that is a straight up yes. So you're a bit like that's a very they, simple they, test. Mm, is that what yeah, the correct test? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was that. I thought the thing was whether it can learn. Um, no, it's whether it can convince you that there is a person on the other ah, side okay. of the wall. Now, the doctor would undoubtedly pass that test, and you're mm. a bit like there's something. There's a blind spot in their universe, so they can create something that can learn with that degree of complexity, and yet treat it so disrespectfully because it's, you know, there, there comes a point where you're like, what it? If you're gonna treat something that can act in such a sentient way with such disdain, then what is it to you that is so special and different about biological sentience that? means that that gets treated differently for instance you know data is a machine should he be treated dismissively just because he's a machine the same or you know his mind is a computer program sort of synthetic mind mm. and yeah, there's an inconsistency in the treatment there yeah yeah, yeah also on a on a machine learning or natural language processing i sorry i'm just throwing those terms out without really knowing thing shouldn't people treat him nicely because if people treat him nicely he will learn to treat other people better and his bedside manner will improve yeah um but that's just a little thought that pops into my brain 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I basically agree with Kez, but for different reasons. I yeah. Think, is, yeah. Because yeah. to me, like, the reality is, is a computer program. So um, I think it's highly unlikely it would feel emotion in the same way humans feel. But, um, but does for feel all these annoyance. other reasons, I don't think they should ever, he should always be treated like with the same sort of respect mm. and empathy of an actual human. Um, what is that saying that I've never quite understood? Which is like, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck or something, it is a duck. <laughs> I don't know. If, if it sounds like a duck and walk, uh, I feel like in this case, it applies. A high I don't really understand the saying. But um, it's, it's a reductive way of trying to tar people with a particular brush. So basically. Oh, okay. But I, I've heard it's like in programming or software development. Like, anyway. Okay. Um, in what sort of content? Sorry. Digression. I'm not sure, but it's something to do with like maybe I don't know definitions or you know of things in in code. Um, I could be talking absolute rubbish right now. Uh, we go back. Um, we wouldn't know. Yeah, but, but someone listening <laughs> will if we get listeners. It is an abdu- a form. The duck test is a form of abductive reasoning, usually expressed as if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. But not certainly. High likelihood, but not sufficient to prove. <laughs> Such okay. a pointless phrase. <laughs> oh, I love I'm it. sorry, I brought it up. Okay, next we're on the bridge, um, and Harry is hard at work trying to get that voice link, uh, and Jamie is very keen to try it out. And after three attempts, they get a clear transmission, and it turns out they have they're communicating with the cargo vessel, as so he says, a captain in the Alpha Quadrant. Um, but, um, Oh, yes. Do they know that yet, though? Uh, actually, Not yet. yes. He does Do say Romulan. Yes, does yes, he yes. Romulan vessel? Um, uh, but the fact that the Voyagers in the Delta Quadrant seems to be like a major problem for this captain of the cargo vessel, because mm. so, he just can't seem to take anything that they say at face value, and he terminates the transmission. Hmm. And Tuvok theorizes it's a Romulan science vessel, not cargo vessel. Yeah, so he must have said Romulan already. Um, and so might be paranoid about Federation spies. Um, and Janeway still seems very focused on the mission of sending a message to Starfleet, so she orders that they try to reestablish contact. And now we're going to see her beautiful yeah. nightwear. I, I also <laughs> absolutely love the fact she's like, Harry, repeatedly hail them until they get us back. And I'm yeah. just like, this poor ship just getting constant missed calls. <laughs> I, I quite like the. I quite like the. the was it Bellana who says something like, oh, "Yeah, typical." Like we finally hail someone from the Alpha Quadrant, Shit. and it's like a really, <laughs> really hostile nation. Yeah, yeah. Rom is a bloody Romulan. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, yes, I mean the nightwear. I just. Uh, but <laughs> yes. The what happens? So set the scene. Right. Just to go back to Jenny's I, point. I didn't notice this, by the way. Oh, sorry. I didn't notice this at all. <laughs> Sorry, just to go back to Jenny's point when they like they made contact and it's Romulan. I feel like this episode is a lot of like two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back. Like they make so many breakthroughs and then they have so many mm. disappointments. But sorry, that's more actually to do with the theme later on. But your comment just sparked that. Um Ah, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, so we're not quite in Jamie's quarters, but before this, Jamie goes to see the doctor. Uh, mm. and she does acknowledge that he is much more than an EMH, the emergency yeah. medical hologram. He's actually a member of the crew. And she asks, is there anything I can do to help you? And then yeah. my note was, wow, good leadership. 
it's mm. it's more than that actually because not only does she ask is there anything i can do to help she sort of acknowledges how tough it must be going from this limited parameter of how he was supposed to be used to having to be used for everything yeah and I'm like that's a bit of change in attitude from your stance with kess of he's a miserable old git and he should be dismissed as a miserable old git because he's a computer yeah, I feel like this. somehow we miss if there needed to be like another scene there, which was just like a monologue of her uh, thought. Thinking, like, yeah, yeah the, the move seemed quite mm. sudden. Um, maybe that's just maybe, you know, she is a, a captain and um, she has to deal with conflict. And this is kind of conflict. And maybe she has a set method of dealing with it. And her method is to put herself in another person's shoes before going off and saying, you know, why are you so mm. grumpy or why are you so she might take a step back and be like, I mean, when you have to give feedback to someone at work or something, you might be like, oh, actually, that person's been really busy. Um, or, mm. you know, like, mm. blah, blah, you know, so for me, it, it, it flowed, but um, mm. I can see yeah, why. Yeah, it makes sense. She maybe, she's she's said, okay, well, I was dealing with this mm. from a, he's getting complaints, there's getting complaints about him, but now Kess has kind of come up with an alternative way to approach it. And she's like, right, well, there's a, Manager, as a leader, I'm going to try that approach. Yeah, I'm going to ask insight. him what he needs. And, yeah, it might have it's been an excellent leadership strategy. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm always, you know, how I, well, I don't have to say it a million times. But um, but just that very simple question, is there anything I can do to help mm. you? I was like, I need to remember that for the future. Well, no one's ever going to ask me, but I should definitely remember to ask people <laughs> I, that I'm working I, with. I don't know. This is a risky strategy. I feel like if I ever... Whenever I say that, because I do sometimes say that in my job, um, I'm always a bit concerned about the response because I just think the response is going to be, oh, my God, thank you so much, yes, and then pile on all the work and I'm yes, completely over capacity. Um, so, uh, but I guess that's just the importance of then being able to um, put down boundaries as well as offer help. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did write down some of his, the doctor's lines here because – um, I thought they were good, but what I'd like is to be turned off when people leave. And I was like, wow, that is really irritating. If you just have to like stab it, doing that around mental. and you can't sleep. And he's like, mm. it is extremely irritating. Yeah. Just or you're actually there. doing something and people shut you off at their source of. Yeah. Man. You really feel some empathy when he describes his experience. Mm. Well, I. That would be um, crap. Although he also finds out about things very late indeed oh, as yes. well. But at this point, um, Janeway proposes that they can look into giving the doctor control of his deactivation sequence. Um, but it's kind of like not immediate because she needs to get someone to look into it. So I don't even know mm. if it happens in this episode, but she makes the commitment to look into it. Mm. Um, and if we're happy to move on now, we're in Jamie's quarters. <laughs> finally, finally. The beautiful outfit. Sorry. Right, now, here's what I have to say about this outfit. This is why it's so fabulous, because it's I mean, super... Just... No, no, I have to, I have to, I have to be dying to say, you see, it's just, it's super sexy, but it's like covering everything. That's what I love about it. Like, it's, it's understated sexy. I just think it was... hair is great. Yeah. <laughs> Flawless but... hair. The flawless hair. Midnight. It is TV, guys. It is TV. Um, I want but, that 
don't know. Oh, I just a very made a very small comment. Heart Janeway's pajamas. I did love the color. I did love the silk or satin. Um, I thought she looked great. But I also liked. I think she had like little like she had the. I don't even know what the term is. I would call it a nighty. That's not the right term. But like oh, the night slip. Night slip. And she had um, little silk trousers on underneath. I think. No, she um, didn't. She did. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't looking that close. Yeah, to Jamie, you jumped in there quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a full length gown. No, because I, I, well, I, I watched it, it three times. Well, no, I, I watched thought, Okay, hang on. I think, can you share screen and can we watch this again? Just about, Yeah, I think she's got like, I mean, because it is very long. And then just at the bottom, you can see she's got like the little like um, matching. I think it's extremely objectively important that we watch the scene again right now just to check. I'm ha- I'm happy to be the guinea pig and do- sorry I'm sorry I'm being deliberately uh, what's the word lechy because it's funny I don't actually want to see this again. I'm just trying to see if I can get. I I always have a question about this episode, uh, this scene as well. Um, and uh, every single time I watch it, I I think the same question and then I answer it myself. Right. So I want to see why I'm like why has this always come up in my head? If anyone else gets it. But it happens at the end of the scene, so maybe we'll okay. Well, let's quickly. Yes, so she's she's in her quarters and she gets like a message. I don't actually know the technical term for Harry Kim to say he's reestablished comms link. Mm. Um, or he's reestablished the comms link, but the cargo captain will only. Uh, oh, what have I written? Uh, doesn't want to give his name, mm-hmm. and I think he only wants to talk to Janeway or something. I don't know. I guess that's, I have no idea. But Cargo Captain, still coy. Right. He's not giving his name or too much detail. But he does seem to have confirmed uh, their position in the Delta Quadrant. So he is, at least has confirmed a part of their story, but he still seems a bit convinced that they're spies. Um, and so Janeway Ray has to work very hard to make her request to him and con- like to connect with him on an emotional level. And I don't know if you guys want to talk about that, but she really wants him to relay the messages or relay messages from members of the crew back home. Um, but I jump in yeah. with a theoretical question here. Yeah. Do we wonder if the captain of the other ship is trying to see if Janeway passes the Turing test? <laughs> well, he's definitely trying to see if she, if she passes some kind of test because he's like, he's kind of creating these elaborate, not paranoid, I guess, but uh, elaborate... He's- hypotheticals hypotheticals and she's like what would be the point of that we're like in the delta quadrant and we you know Mm. we have no you know even if we were spies how could we you know use that information it would take 70 years to get back home uh but see i think i'm naturally suspicious about him because i'm like yeah but (sighs) he hasn't he still thinks that there's a way they could have um sort of scrambled as if they are yeah Yeah. in the delta quadrant so so then if he doesn't quite believe yet that they are in fact in the Delta Quadrant, then um, mm. they could be a threat. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's, he I'm probably is right to be suspicious because it is all kind of a bit of an unusual situation. But um, I think at this point, she really tries to connect emotionally and bring up family. And is it? I think it's in a scene. I didn't actually include it in my notes. Or well, she makes the the really big family speech later on. I think oh, okay. where she's. Um, oh yes, but, later. Sorry. But, but I think she does sort of touch on it in this bit where she's sort of talking about them all being lonely and, um, you know, saying you'd be free to read. We want to send some personal messages and you'd be free to read all of them and you'd be able to see that they're just 
written by some very lonely people. <laughs> but he's, he, he does seem to, he says something like he would feel much better if he could see them. And he's been actually working on a way to establish a visual link. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he just wants to take things very carefully one step at a time, I think. I found it funny. I don't know, Jamie, if you had the same, well, no, wait, that's me being, uh, making generalizations. But when I listened to the Delta Flies podcast, uh, the one guy was like, he thought it was very creepy that while she was in her pajamas, he wanted to, he said like, I need to be able to see you. <laughs> and I was it's like, I, don't, I didn't read that at all. Like, I mean, obviously he's not going to like, establish, she's not going to establish the visual link while she's in her. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. Cause it was a bit like, what happens if he asks to see her immediately so she can do no sort of Starfleet tech sorcery? Well, he has no idea that she's in her pajamas. So, well, well yeah, hang on, but, but this, is, she's like, would she have taken the call immediately? Um, this, this, this is actually related to the thing that always occurs to me. But does he, in fact, know that she's in her pajamas? Because he says good night, right? When he says Kang's <laughs> off, and I, my question is, they're in space, so there's no like day and night, and even if Maybe there were, they're completely different days and nights so presumably and my answer to myself is always well someone must have said when they patched him through exactly. oh she's sleeping but um yeah. you know we'll wake her up because otherwise i'm like how does he know to say good night to her it's kind yeah. of creepy. well i <laughs> that, think that is yeah a could be an overlooked thing in, in the writing but b i think uh when he got when they got through i'm sure someone was like okay we're gonna patch you through like the reason why we patch you through is because she's this is the, the answer that I always come up with when this, this question comes up. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it's just the space thing of like, yeah, because there's mm. not actually really any night or night or daytime. What is, mm. was it another sci-fi book or is it somewhere where they have like a 23 hour day? Or is that Deep Space Nine? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, right, so then we on the bridge ready to establish the visual link. We get little hints every now and again that things are not quite as they should be because someone mentions mm. the phrase phase variance for the second mm. time. Mm. Establishing this visual link. But we don't quite, it's just a hint. And we get the Romulan captain on screen. Um, and also, I think it's clever that, like, kind of, I mean, maybe they aren't purposeful, but the little hints that, like, when he doesn't recognize their technology or he's like, oh, what are you guys, how did you guys get there? Looking mm. back at the end of the episode, like, oh, that's why he didn't know all that stuff. Or, yeah. But, um, he says, "I don't recognize the ship," and yeah, and she they explains that, but it's it's not classified. Yeah, and there's a bit of yeah, as you say at the time, you think, "Oh, well, that's just you know minor thing," but then later on, you discover why. Yeah, hmm. um, and I think it turns out he's spoken to his government about relaying the messages. Um, and just and then we also find out they actually only have forty eight hours to achieve this because this you know we the we're still collapsing. Ticking clock. Ticking clock, yeah. Ticking mm. clock. Um, and yes, sorry, Jenny, this is where she really like, because um, he also says like, well, I can't tell you how long it's going to take because if the government is the mm. government, they go their own time. Mm. And that's when she really makes that emotional family plea. Um, yeah. I thought yeah. you might like this episode, Red, because uh, this, uh, this scene, Red, because um, the, in a way, the facts have been established. His, the message has been submitted. He said, there's mm. nothing I can do. Um, it's been sent and now we wait and it's up to them. Mm. And it's a very um, sort of, right, so that's the end of it. And that's like a very Tuvok approach. <laughs> and then yeah. Tuvok sort of, then Janeway asks him a question, which to Tuvok makes a face at. Because um, to Tuvok, <laughs> it's, it's a very like, what what is going on here? This is, why, why are we, we not saying thank you and goodbye? She says, 
you know, do you have a family to the, the Romulan um, mm. captain? And, and, you know, Tuvok's like, what is going on here? What, what is this? Um, yeah. How is this going to help anything or, or, or anyone? And in fact, it actually just goes to show that um, sometimes yeah. the sort of adding emotion into it really makes a difference because yeah. he inquires about his family and turns out he misses his, you know, daughter who yeah. he's never even met because she's seven months old. And that emotional um, sort of empathy that then is evoked in the captain leads to him... Yeah. Yeah, agree to try and things up. I just interject. Sorry, Amy, cutting in front of you. But I do love Tuvok's approach. But looking back on my work and job, I have to use that emotional approach like 90% of the time to get stuff done Mm. or to get agreement on a way forward. Yeah, I I found the same and it took a long time to learn it. (laughs) Like, I was just very, like, sort of, you know, blunt and process driven. And then you realize actually, okay, well, you are working with humans. And (laughs) actually, if you sort of ask them how they're doing and they approach it in a, you know, maybe some some people need a bit of a rant first about how much work they've got on because they're feeling a bit overwhelmed. But then they're more than happy to to do the, Mm -hmm. um, whatever the new request is and all these sort of little. Yeah. intricacies of human behavior and then things mm. go a lot smoother <laughs> yeah mm. jamie i was just going to say there's an interesting dichotomy in this scene because the actual it's uh once upon a long time ago i decided to read some star trek wikipedia when i was i, I heard that basically the vulcans and the romulans had once been part of the same race and that basically the vulcans had bought their emotional side and impulses and feelings under control whereas the Romulans had effectively maintained that emotional link and were quite a lot more volatile due to it and that was how their civilization diverged and there's an interesting dichotomy here in that it's only the fact that the Romulan in this scene, Talakramar as I think we find out that he's called later on has that emotional capacity, which means he's open to being convinced to effectively do a morally good thing. And there's an interesting sort of, hmm, what would the outcome of this have been if a Vulcan who theoretically, you know, aligned civilization, all of that sort of thing, fine, but someone just of a Vulcan moral code, but not aligned with Starfleet had been on the far side of that conversation. Mm, and I well, find that a very interesting and clever thought and cleverly posed thing. I know that the Vulcans are, you know, an aligned civilization with Starfleet, so hi- hypothetical, but anyway. Well, yeah, as you said that, I was like, that is a really interesting point, and I do think it's an interesting point, but then I think if you were arguing with a Vulcan, you would focus more on the decreasing time limit because that's a fact, and you'd be like, well, we've got 48 hours, like, we'd focus more on the data <laughs> and a shrinking window well, yeah, but, to but, convince but, them because you know and that's like the, oh well. the window wouldn't convince them to do it though that's i think just, it would because that's a fact and that it's escalated to like a higher priority it no but this is before the priority thing this is the can you take or even consider asking about the message at all when well, it's just it's different ways of negotiating with different types of people. So I think it raises an interesting um, point. I, I yeah, disagree. I disagree because to me, Janeway actually convinces him to go away and ask, I would like to pass on this message, right? Mm. I agree to, d- to speed it up, or to try to speed it up, yeah. Uh, I don't think that 
Janeway would have been able to convince a Vulcan to actually, who was part of a non-aligned political organization, civilization, I don't think we're running out of time would have convinced them to take the message. Why not? Because there's no reason for them to take the message and pass it on to... But they'd already, if they'd both already, in this case, the person has already agreed what she's trying to get well, to. No, but this is, this is the thing. I don't think that they would have agreed. Ah, okay. That makes any sense. Let me let me add another perspective. I think that if it was a Vulcan in that situation, Jay, that you're describing, um, they would have they would have done it sooner because I don't think they would have the emotion of paranoia so much. <laughs> um, I think they would it would make logical sense for them to because they're they are still a cooperative, you know, species. They're cooperative and they um, they're logical, but mm. the logical approach I think. Would probably simply need to pass the message on disagreed. once they'd Log- examined that the, the um, risk to them of them being spies or anything was so minuscule that it was illogical to be worried about that. Dis- I mean, this could be argued in the reverse direction. I'm going to just have to say agree to disagree because I I actually think that if you're that stage of logic driven process, you would actually say, yeah theoretically low risk but i can't eradicate the risk so i can't take a risk um but anyway yeah i mean i think you raise an interesting point I, i'm not sure i agree with like your conclusion That's okay. but, but i think that is interesting because it is about uh, there's a lot of persuasion in here actually in this episode mm. now that i think about it and it is already emotional to emotion mm. um but uh so he does agree to try to speed things up and janeway assumes everything's going to be successful so we are another I felt like this episode was like a roller coaster, but it was like a roller coaster that kind of just <laughs> up, down, <laughs> up, down, up. So they assume I th- she orders the crew to prepare their messages. But Lana rushes in and she has to talk to Janeway straight away in private. She's got some very exciting news. Um, mm. She's bought something she's very excited to share. Mm. Um, and here the opportunity arises. Yeah, so they might be able to transport through the wormhole. Does anyone... I mean, that's huge. Mm. I mean, I, I can't really give you how this one works, Red. Something with the frequency of transporting is very similar to the frequency of the wormhole communication link or something. I didn't even write it down. So, yeah. Don't, we uh, just need a plot device to make teleportation back to the Alpha Quadrant a theoretical possibility to dangle in front of the crew to see how everyone yeah. reacts. Good point. And as they say on other podcasts, when they say talk rubbish, don't come at me. But those podcasts have li- listeners. <laughs> um, um, but this those is huge. Wrong. I mean, <laughs> what was that, Jamie? Sorry. I just said those listeners are wrong for going to those podcasts and not <laughs> ours. Um, and then we have that little moment of Jamie looking at the picture of Mark, who, to be fair, and as I've discussed, I wrote off ages ago, but maybe you guys felt <laughs> differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then I don't know because earlier in the episode, Blana's saying to well, uh, saying to Harry about how we haven't been gone that long, and um, they'll still mm. think we're lost and that we're we, you know, mm. they won't have stopped looking for us. So maybe at this point, her mark would still be around. Um, mm. No, I'm sure he would be, but in my mind, I wrote him off like the minute I saw that picture of him. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. A, a few episodes ago. Same. I love also that scene where Blana's explaining very excitedly what, that they might be able to transport. They're like. We'll have to run a series of tests first. And I'm like, 
uh, yeah. <laughs> Surely that is stating the obvious. Imagine they're just gonna like yes. send someone <laughs> guinea uh-huh. pig. One hundred percent. Um, one hundred percent. So then we go back to sick bay actually, um, and we find out Kez Kez is very excited because she knows that they they could be back on Earth soon, and she's like tells the doctor she already wants to go to medical school, and he's like. Well, you'll probably you my identical memory go. Hmm. Oh yeah, uh, well, well, you've got the identical memory in, in real life, but he's like, well, you'll probably be qualified by the time we get back, and um, <laughs> uh, he's like, she's like, haven't you heard? And this is where he makes his comment that you alluded to earlier, Jeannie, which is like, I never hear about anything. <laughs> so he's one of the last people to realize, find out that there is this potential route home. Hmm. Um, and that he won't be going back yes. that route because he's integrated into the ship systems. Yeah. And he it's... just wants her to make sure he's turned off before they yes. leave. Aww. What a horrible, like, I mean, it's a pain such a, like, a evocative <laughs> image. Like, someone just, I don't know, going in, like, making them. Oh, I know. It's like mm. turning off the lights, but being the last one to leave. And turn just off. make sure, well, yeah, just make sure I'm not stuck here going crazy forever. Oh, oh my mm. gosh. Infinity, oh. just, yeah. Stuck alone, nothing to do, no eat, no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes the sort of those who dream of immortality. It's like the opposite of that, isn't it? It's like the, yeah. the nightmare of immortality. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. I mean, cool. I would, yeah, I have no desire to be immortal, and I always think it's people that have too much money that start getting interested in this. And I'm like, is it because they have the resources to throw at this problem and they have nothing left to do? Or is it because that their life is so great they don't want to die? I don't know. Well, mm. yeah, I th- weird hybrids of both, isn't it? It's a pr- it's a profound question, and some sometimes it's uh, a desire to just avoid any possible loss, and the only thing that they're not insulated from is the mortal condition itself. Mm. Others, it's mm. like as you say, life is just so good that they fear losing that others is just the slightly midasian paranoia or just fear fear of death i I don't want to die don't get me wrong but i also don't want to live forever (laughs) you clearly have not watched enough uh what's it called twilight (laughs) (laughs) i think the word you're looking for there is any any Twilight. <laughs> I have not yeah. watched any Twilight that Jenny has not made me I, watch. I do. I recommend not watching because obviously they you know, <laughs> well, but um, gosh, it's just this um, uh, you know, these beautiful people. And they remain young and beautiful with absolutely you no know, ill health or you know aching bones or anything. But they um, are fucked up. All forever. Weird. But they um, are fucked up. And, and, um, Maybe I should watch it. Yeah. It's um, mm. yeah, it does. Have you talk, talking of vampire, um, not porn because it's not porn, um, but vampire spam? Have you and because I know that there are some Nicolas Cage fans on this, have you seen any adverts for the Nicolas Cage vampire movie called yes. um, Renfield? It looks on the bus. That shit hilarious. Ah. I absolutely love it. Um, okay. it's got the actor, uh, I think it's called Nicholas Holt from The Favourite and, um, oh, and yeah. also The Great, and I absolutely love him. <laughs> it's just sort of, I, I really, really love the look of it. Um, wow, okay. Like, he was the kid in yes. About a Boy, wasn't he? Yes. Well. 
Lucy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abby was a guest on that podcast I talk about all the time, How I Met Your Mother. Not How I Met Your Mother. My dad wrote a porno. Oh my God, I keep doing that. How was he? Yeah, he loves that podcast. So if you won't listen to me, at least listen to Nicholas Hall. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I just I just like to um, add a caveat. Read that um, I, I probably wouldn't recommend the Twilight movies just because they um, not only are they really bad, but also um, they're very disgusting. Uh, I think that's maybe why I haven't watched them because I mean they were super popular, but I I and I I might enjoy them, but there's like there's a level of violence and gore that I can't really handle. Yeah. It's, They're pretty it's... unpleasant. I, I just, I do quite. I mean, I've never read the books or anything because I, I, I really don't think I'd like the books. But um, the, the whole like, I love the little bits of it. I, th- I think the reason I like them is because they've got all these little like, uh, sort of. They're a bit sci-fi, you know. Like yeah. they've got like vampires. They each have their special powers, and then there's you know one that yeah. can see the future, and that sort of affects certain things. Mm. And then there's like this Italian mafia vampire clan, and. <laughs> It's a yeah, I just oh, sort, sort of Catholic um, Inquisition mafia vampire. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, and then and then there's the sort of vampires from and Africa. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I should watch it. I feel like it, I watched most of my movies of the entire year in like in the run up to Christmas. I just start making everything a Christmas movie. But maybe I can make. <laughs> um, but speaking of movies, I do really want to watch. This is very unusual for me. Two movies that are out right now. <laughs> The Super Mario's movie and the Dungeons and Dragons. I keep hearing I good things. I want to see the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. One. Oh, I'd see that. Even though I've never played it. I... No, me too. I've never, but I've heard it's like really good and like really accessible, even if yeah. like to people who've never played. But also has lots of like great mm-hmm. moments for the like, you know, proper fans. It has, it has lot has lots of Avengers movie comic moment stuff as well. Ah. I gather. You know, I would love to talk about a movie with you guys when and if you've watched it at some point um the um everything everywhere all at once oh yes I oh, i've heard of that i want to I've see seen it, it. Hang on. jamie you need to, I, I need to put this on my list of movies to watch i'm just doing it now carry on every everything everywhere everywhere yep all, all at, at once, once. Yeah, and funnily enough, Jay, it was um, Gethin actually suggested I watch it mm. like months and months ago, way before it won all the Oscars and everything. Oh, um, wow. So, um, yes, that's the youngest kid in my work was like, I don't know, months ago, was like, oh, has everyone seen everything everywhere all at once? You've got to watch it. And so then I was like, oh, gosh. I don't know, for some Does reason, he... this recommendation really sunk in. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, watching it. Well, the, I thought the trailers, it looked really interesting. And um, I love mm. um, Thing of Me, Michelle. You. Okay. Um, like I love her, the movie she's been in, like um, Crouching Tiger and Dragon, that kind of thing. Um, Memoirs of a Geisha, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, really, really strange movie. Um, mm. Really strange. What did you think, Red? Well, I think hmm. I'm very happy for its success, but the first half was The Matrix. And I mean, they did acknowledge that but it is literally like almost scene for scene just with different people that like the matrix mm. movie which i thought i'm i think you know it's okay obviously to take influence from lots of different things mm. but i was a bit like wow this is too uh <laughs> too much influence i would say but i think it was, yeah. there was there was really lots of there was like it's very fast paced uh like moments of absurdity mm. which are like really fun i think um the concept mm. is kind of interesting and the like how she can like I guess 
pull into, I don't want to give it away mm. too much, but the overall driving force of why this was happening, when I found out at the end that it's just about what it is about, I was like, this is, I was just kind of, mm. I don't see, like, yeah, I don't want to give it away, but it's like a very small, like maybe, I'm just not really big into those kinds of movies that deal with those kinds of themes, maybe. Like, yeah, I get like, what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, it's just about mm. this one specific thing, yeah. yeah which yeah. to me wasn't enough to drive this whole movie. Yeah, mm. I think I under, I think I sort of agree a little bit. And um, gosh, it was just like so but much. That, it really is everything everyone yeah. wants. It's just like constant bam, bam, bam. And um, but the the, the yeah, lead actor. I mean, she is amazing, and his acting yes. as he's switching between is just wow. It's so yeah, I good. Think it's, I always think it's worth watching literally just for the actors and the yeah. acting because they are <laughs> phenomenal. Like they are just brilliant. I think just the general cons- concept and. The, yeah it was sort of something maybe missing there and there was an awful lot of like nods to this nods to that yeah. you know, various but it felt like too many nods because it was just yeah. sort of then lots of repetition of other movies <laughs> um, but yeah the acting was was pretty really yeah really bizarre movie anyway sorry massive yes. tangent there. sorry <laughs> we can we can when jamie's watched it we could have a side episode oh, no. yes as non-professional movie critics mm. <laughs> critics um I'm very unprofessional. Uh, okay, I've nearly lost my place. So they're on the bridge and they're talking to the captain who, as you've well remembered his name, Telek Ramor. I wasn't quite sure when we found out his name, but I made a note here. Um, he accepts the test of a transport cylinder and the test is successful, so they want to plan a series of tests. But then he kind of says, well, I don't want any they want like the next step of this like testing process is send a human he's like uh mm-hmm. no and he's like i don't want any of you on my <laughs> science vessel and they're like well how's that gonna work well he's like offers himself as a test subject and he says if it's successful he'll get a, a troop ship yes thank you he'll summon a troop ship for the which i'm not sure how i'd feel about as a starfleet <laughs> getting on a troop ship i'm a bit like am i gonna be sort of hauled off somewhere and put in a darkened room and beaten so it shows no bruises till uh-huh. i tell Who's paranoid now, Jamie? <laughs> I, I'm just showing due caution when entering enemy territory. It's you folk who are naively assuming the Romulans are going to play ball. Well, I am too trusting, and that's my life as a testament to that. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, that did that did cross my mind, to be honest. I was like, wow, they really want to get home. They're going to just transport the whole crew to a Romulan troop yeah, ship. <laughs> don't Romulans treat POWs quite badly in other series i mean i feel like all uh, species have history of treating processes of war badly um but i mean i guess yeah that is a very good point which to be honest i didn't you wouldn't want to be a pow in cardassia no but they're not not at war there are they at the time aren't they maybe they are (laughs) i don't know um but i guess they can't of starfleet Sorry, I'm just be, I'm going no. on tangents just to annoy Red. They can't now. transport them all at once, so maybe ten people will get across and then be like, "Don't come," and then, uh, you know. But mm-hmm. um, next we're in the transporter room, and we find out that these twenty tests have mm. been successful, and so now they're ready to try with Telegra more, and it works. Again, we hear the phrase "strange phase variance," which Belana mm. says nearly stopped the transporter or the transportation. So Janeway immediately orders the crew, or to give the order to begin crew evacuation procedures. And I was like, whoa, it's so quick. But Tuvok was like, got to delay that. I found a reason for this phase variance. Mm. And then there's the moment where he asked the captain, what year is it? 
Mm. And he says, two, three, five, one, which I made a note, meant nothing to me, but you guys were following along. Well, no, it's because then they, yes. they, they do help us in this episode. Yes, that meant nothing to me either, but then someone else pipes up with, but it is two, three, seven, one. Yeah. To them. So mm. 20 years, 20 years in the past. So that he's, they call him a, a visitor out of time and they've transported him from, yeah, 20 years ago. And this is also where I wondered, um, from what we just spoke about, the whole, is another reason he's super paranoid, not just because he's Romulan, but is it that 20 years prior, perhaps they weren't on such good terms, the Romulans? Yeah, and I mean, that definitely could be a factor. I don't know offhand. Uh, no, uh, I do, because oh. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page of the Earth-Romulan <laughs> oh. conflict as we speak. No cheating. And so, um, so the Romulans had a campaign of destabilization and then a war with Earth from 2154. Um, but after the Battle of Sharon, the two sides negotiated... Uh, a treaty via subspace. Um, so until 2266, uh, that treaty and the neutral zone served its purpose, um, but there were no, there were limited or no contacts between Earth and the Romulan Star Empire from the conclusion of the war until the mid-23rd century. Oh, so... Ironically, exactly when we are, or 2370. It, that um, is a factor then, because then mid, well, 2351 yeah. um, is, yeah, mid. So they're only just starting to talk to each other again. Yeah. Telek time frame. Yeah. Well, you can uh, carry on confirming that if you want to. But um, <laughs> the next thing <laughs> is... <laughs> no, hey, without, you, we need these dates, dude. We need no, historical No, we need these context. dates, but us watching you read Wikipedia isn't great viewing. And people <laughs> listening to us watch you read Wikipedia is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I agree oh, with Jenny's was... assessment yeah, relations yeah, no. aren't great. It's context. It's context no, to the discussion. Yeah, God. Um, so... where, where is the respect for historical uh, accuracy <laughs> and rigour that seems ah. to be such a factor in our early dynamic podcasts? We can, we can give you the, the title of Chief Historian or something, if you want. Um, but back to the briefing room. Uh and Balana is basically saying if they transport through the wormhole, they're going to go back 20 years. And how did everyone feel about Harry Kim's reaction here? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Let's I'm with him. It. Let's go back 20 years. <laughs> Ching, I can make some great stock market uh, wins. He's so sweet, but wow. I think they had to have someone to yeah. to play that sort of devil's yeah. advocate so they could like run Shoot through it the, down. Yeah, like what, <laughs> what are the repercussions? But it was totally in keeping with his character. I don't think it was out of place. But I just thought it was um, mm. uh, just kind of funny to be. Um, but we also find out that mm. he's only 22. And so I made a note here going, well, if he's only 22, no wonder he was never promoted because he was like only in like his <laughs> late 20s by the time he left. I mean, like not as he was. Yeah, so he was like 29, 30 when they eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time to go without a promotion, but I didn't mm. quite realize how young he was. Yeah, he um, still has a, a long career ahead of him when they yeah. get back. Mm. Sorry, should I say that? Is that a spoiler? No, no. no. Um, I'm assuming everyone who watches this knows that they do get back yes, <laughs> eventually. Jamie, I don't know if Jamie did. He's the only person I'm trying to protect from spoilers. Um, <laughs> I hope I he know. forgets. 
but they basically can't go back because that will pollute the timeline. And um, to look, uh, I have to like read it. I can't remember it. Uh, to like remore, he can't do anything on his side really, like prevent the mission because that will also pollute the timeline. Mm. Uh, but um, Jamie asks, can like she's still focused on that original request? Like, can you send messages and share them in twenty years? And he says, of course. It really feels like they're sort of kicking the horse when they're down in this episode because they go from this, yeah. oh my God, we're going to get home to, okay, yeah. we can't get home or maybe we can do this. Oh no, we yeah. can't. And then they finally get to yeah. their original pitiful request of, well, at least we can send some yeah. letters. letters. And then, and, then, and, then. and he died four years early. <laughs> yeah, so they beam him back to his uh, Alpha Quadrant and he makes it, mm. which again, when I watched it the second time, actually, the fact that he's successful is actually like quite a, painful moment for the crew because they're mm. like this would have worked you know i didn't really realize yeah. that he has um, such a noble dignity in this in this whole episode i think and then but they're, they're thinking like well at least their messages will have reached their families and then tuvok mm. shame he has to bring more bad tuvok, news death of hope <laughs> mm. and yes yeah, you say he we find out he died four years ago <laughs> so now i don't know if he made mm. a provision for the messages mm. Um, but this, I like the little flashcard they gave him with their messages on that, that little piece of tech, that little like mm. orange or yellow, like that was cool. Yeah. I um, know it just seems so fragile, though. You know, like oh my god, don't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> don't put it in a pocket with you know a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, I think. Well, when was this? Was that pre-flash drive, or like commercial widely available flash drives? Not sure. Mm. But um, and then it ends on quite a. Oh, no, not quite a sudden note. But, like, that scene ends on quite a sudden note where Janeway has to, like, go through all these emotions and then at the end she pulls herself together and she's like, let's move on. We've got a long way mm-hmm. to go. Like, yeah, she's like... Put the spider. Really, she sounds as though she's taken a real hit there. Like, yeah. there's a degree of... She seems... It seems as though they almost at the start of this episode telegraph her as ever so slightly naively idealistic and use this episode as being part of... And now she's getting seasoned into a hard <laughs> ready well, to think... fix down everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Everyone was a bit of a telegraphing artist. there. Um but yes. Uh then we finish up in Sick Bay and Baxter is back in I wasn't really paying attention why he kept landing up in, in mm. Sick Bay, but I think he was exercising a lot or something. Mm. Um and he's still ignoring the doctor. But this time the doctor stands up for himself, which I thought yeah. was um, interesting. He's like, yeah. you can direct your statements to me. And then yeah. Baxter improves his behavior and starts calling him sir and thank you, sir. Um, yeah. And uh, he finishes the scene with Kez and he's like kind of stepping into his role. And I'm sorry, I'm just trying to read the last line here. And yeah. I think the, this, this episode ends on what is going to be the longest running gag in this Voyager series. Danny, do you know what? When he says um, he wants a name. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And then... No one t- just, no one gives him a name? He just never comes up with one. Well, you'll he? see. I mean, you'll see over the next however many episodes. But yes, he, he was like, I really want a name. Um, they, um, Joe, I think he's a maybe common... you remember this, Red, but I don't remember whether we ever find out whether those messages... Oh no! Yeah. You have no, yeah, no. It's episodic TV. What happened now yeah. has no bearing on the next uh. episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was 
yeah, that final scene, I mean, I think I rushed through it a bit there, but it was good to see him stand up for himself and actually how his own behavior modified the mm. behavior of Baxter. It didn't take like the uh, captain or whatever talking to the crew and mm. saying, you should teach the doc- treat the doctor with more respect. It was the doctor saying, hey. Just asserting his skill. Yeah, like, I'm in charge here. I mean, mm. I'm not sure that approach would always work, but it's something to consider. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And, um, Oh. No, I agree with that. No, it's gone. I had something to say and I forgot. No, it, it, it's sort of... We didn't even interrupt you, Jenny. I oh, know, sorry. <laughs> and I'm very sorry I didn't because I know that's what's expected of me. I I just like the fact that it's not... We all did all this and we can't even be sure our messages got home that it ends on. You know, there is a positive growth there. Yeah. Although... What were your themes or main takeaways? Oh, that, well, well, that's what was going to be my thing. Um, I was going to say my star player was Janeway for this one. Not a theme, but okay. <laughs> no, not a theme, but that, that's what I remembered to what I was going to say, and then I forgot what I was going to say. Which reminds me of my favorite line from one of my favorite movies. That's not a theme. Uh, from Never Been Kissed, for anyone who's wondering. Um, star player for me was, okay, so back to, you, you say Janeway. Uh, how come? Uh, oh, I just, well, just the nighty. I mean, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> the nighty oh, and the big hair. Oh, I'm supposed nighty. to be um, the one objectifying her. I just, I just <laughs> want to check here. No, I just think, um, I just really love her scenes. Like, I just think she's just great acting. I love the emotional plea um, mm. that, you know, yeah. makes it all happen. But then, you know, the switching to the um, leadership um, vibe yeah. as well. Yeah, um, I agree. I very much agree. Jamie, you'll yeah. stop here. Kez. Yeah. Uh, with very little power, influences Skipper to allow someone to strengthen themselves uh, and do something about their situation. Janeway, mentioned in dispatches, absolutely. Harry Kim, likewise, finding the world's smallest wormhole and sticking a probe down it. Uh, <laughs> Lana Torres for inventing the teleport again amazing work only beaten by Kez due to outcome-based performance management focus by <laughs> Star Trek HR. Um, yes, I no. would also vote for Kez just because she got someone, I mean, there was a lot of persuasion in this episode, but she managed to really trigger something in Janeway yeah. that led to significant change of perspective. Mm-hmm. I would have a. I would have a. What did you say? Dispatches. Uh, you can only have one dispatches. star player. I, I don't yeah, know. My star player is Janeway, but I will give one honorable mention to Tuvok actually in this one, just because um, actually I. I think it takes I determined read... negativity to be that much of a hope pooper. You're right. No, no. I. I think. I just think he did a great job. I think he had a great performance. I think. I mean, who else considered to immediately before the guy had even left look up. What was the history of yes. Teleport to find yes, out? So good. Um, and there are other little things like that that he basically did that were just really sort of quietly intelligent and mm. going ahead and actioning them, you know, because it made rational sense. I just mm. think he did a good job. I agree. And uh, it does remind me of something I've been thinking about a lot recently, but we probably shouldn't go into. But it's like, is there a point in doing a good job? Because when you do a good job, no one notices. In terms of themes, I mean, I think I've already kind of said what I thought the 
my opinion was. Mm. But basically, you can do a lot of things right and still get nowhere. Yeah. Like, you, can, you can make the right decision at every single stage with the information you have and still lose. And they, like, developed, mm. you know, brilliant technological solutions and yeah. innovated and... Uh, but it just you've got to take all the agency you can, and sometimes you've just got to accept it when it's not your fault, even though you've done everything you can. Yeah, yeah. it's quite good in that respect. Isn't it? a, lot of, a lot of TV is always like, well, the sterling performance and the heroes win again, you know, and yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a bit tiresome. Whereas this is more imitating real I life. You can Thundercats. try and try and try again, and you might still fail. Um, but yeah. that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep on trying, um, yeah. which mm. I think I quite like as a, if that's a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other closing thoughts? I just, I don't know why, but just, and then the good guys won. I thought of Thundercats, so I'm going to go and watch some. I is Thundercats. I only think it's I know. A cartoon. I, yeah, that cartoon. I definitely watched it as a kid, and I would love to watch it again as an adult. Um, I think about it. Believe me, it doesn't disappoint, but not I really. I actually, disappoint. I, I, it's hilarious. I went back and rewatched one to see thinking well obviously i'm not going to enjoy it because i'm not a kid anymore and it's so, a cartoon and there I are really so many did. things that you can enjoy it's, about it just it's not so the brilliant. it's just i don't know there's something about it um i did love yeah. it Thunder, Thundercats, oh. <laughs> <laughs> since when has something ho been like an amazing <laughs> hollywood catchphrase i yeah Thunder, i love that Thunder. show but my mom wasn't a huge fan. But I definitely watched that. Why? Well, that was at the same time as uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or was that a little bit later? But does anyone remember a show called? I think it was called Brave Star. It's like the strength of a bear, the eye of Why do I remember that? Oh, oh, yeah. Was... was it with? Were these like? No, this wasn't Captain Planet. No. Anyway, should we oh. wrap up and then I'll stop recording? So, any final thoughts on Star Trek, and then we can talk about Thunder. Well, I don't know because I just looked up Brave Star and the first thing that came up was Brave Star the movie Space Western. That sounds amazing. So okay. I can't really engage with your ask directly without looking at it. Why do they give endorsements for podcast? Anyway. <laughs> <And stop. laughs>